0: hey everybody it's ken pooch van Druten, and that is this is chris rabel i feel like it's been a long time since i've said that to you
1: this i know it has been a long time we've uh We've just run into a lot of busy stuff, you know, um life gets busy even uh when we don't really have jobs,
0: <laughs> even when it's a bullshit life <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> uh episode thirty eight this one is um yeah, it's been a couple of weeks, you know, um I know that for me, it's been crazy like I've been doing um mixing a bunch of projects, so uh that's been good um,
0: oh yeah, we hadn't talked about that in a while you had the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. literally haven't spoken in a while.
1: <laughs> I know, um, but uh, been keeping me busy, you know. It's um, good. So yeah, it's good, and keeping my chops up. And um, you know, I've been doing a lot of stuff with Waves. There's a, a couple of new plugins that are coming that I've written some presets for, and um, so that's exciting. Waves is going to release some new things, uh, and
0: new yeah. plugins or just new.
1: New plugins. There's a couple of new plugins coming that I just wrote some presets for that are going to get released here in the next week, I think. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Right on. Um, Should be fun. Um, And, yeah, so I've been busy and you've been busy. uh, You've been doing a lot of, you were mixing a bunch of projects and doing stuff as well,
0: right? Yeah, I guess not that I look back on it too. I was talking to somebody the other day and they're like, Where are you? And I was like, Well, I'm in Texas at this church. And they're like, What? Okay. And then I said, Well, it's something last week. And I was like, Well, yeah, I had to go do this, this event up in Pittsburgh. And da, 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 da. And they're like, Yeah, you're working. And I was like, Well, I'm not, but I guess I am a little <laughs> with respect to, you know, Yeah. whatever. I mean,
1: it's, you know, you're taking whatever you can, you know, you can get to go do those things. Pittsburgh, you did a, what, a Biden rally or something?
0: Yeah, I did a thing with Lady Gaga there. It was simple. It was just her and piano. It was great. It was on SD, SD5 with Waves. I mean, it was super simple. She sounded amazing. You know, it was cool. freezing cold outside. It was 35 <laughs> degrees outside. Yeah. So um, all day long. Um, but said uh, it was uh, Leo or Lion or something? It was Leo. Um and it sounded great and I could only hear one side of the PA yeah. and, you know it was super it was a it's so weird man it's like you know we're doing these gigs now and it's that's the first like drive-in gig I've done and um I was going to say hopefully last but no I hope I do a million more of them if they pay money but um, if
1: they pay money then we'll do it, it was
0: yeah but it was weird it was like this super spread out parking lot uh anyway i was off to one side but man it sounded great i put two two filters on it during tuning and man it That's sounded awesome. amazing it sounded amazing So
1: people i haven't done a drive-in thing so people are in their cars or are they getting out of their car no
0: was like, it, it was weird okay so yeah good question good question so they're in their cars but they're welcome to get out of their cars at least at this particular event so i my mix was going it went everywhere it went to um it went to whoever the production company was, someone out of Iowa, and it's it went to them for streaming. So it went to all the news sources, to his website, to blah 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 blah. It went everywhere, and um and then there was an FM broadcast that went to the cars if people want to listen to their car. And then there was the normal mix that you know I just found, It was all the same mix, but um but yeah those were all the different places that it went. So it was just. Weird. So times. they were
1: doing an FM broadcast of it, so p- people could tune into ninety eight point five and listen. Exactly. to your Stuff. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Cool. Interesting. Exactly. Um, cool. Uh, because I was like, okay, so people are in their cars, and you're mixing a lot. I know.
0: It's of reflecting
1: off of windows of
0: cars. Off of right. The whole thing is just so weird. I mean, it's just weird. so, so, so weird. Yeah. But, but it's
1: what it is. I mean, as long as people are willing to, you know, do shows, then uh
0: you yeah. Know, but um and it was cool being there too seeing like the crew this particular crew i can't remember the name of the company they're awesome dudes um well i know like blackhawk audio had the audio but the overall production company they had um they had been out like they'd kind of been on tour for two weeks doing rallies and stuff like that and i was like man good on you guys you know for getting out there and they were like god we're so grateful for it you know yeah um
1: I mean, I think there's a fair amount of that kind of work happening, you know, between churches and, and kind of corporate stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. There's, there's, you know, there's some of that happening at least. So um, that's, that's kind of good news. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens after the first of the year and hopefully we get some more of those and people are more willing to come out, but you know, we're in this weird second wave or third wave or whatever it is right now. Right. Um, So I'm sure that'll shut us down. There's a bunch of States right now that are, yeah for sure for a couple of weeks at least for sure um so anyway yeah it's a it's a um it's an interesting time did you read that uh billboard um uh billboard magazine ran a whole kind of article that was really long it was like 20 minute read um about the live event industry like finally they wrote something no 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 yeah. Um, really, really interesting, but really, um, I don't know. It was kind of a bummer. <laughs> I really? read it, and, I, and and it's all true facts, and that's why it was a bummer. I was like reading it and just kind of going, "Ah, yep, that's true, that's true, that's true." Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, it's pretty interesting how. In the article, they're talking about what a lot of us have done to pivot to, you know, to try to you know make a living. And they were interviewing a a front of house guy that's like you know literally like chopping up chickens at a chicken place, sure, you know, at, for seventeen bucks an hour. Yeah, um, and we uh, you know we talk about that here all the time. It's like do whatever you got to do, man. Keep moving, you know. Yeah. Get, pay pay your bills for your family and and then you know come back. So yeah. Um, you know, that's uh that's what we're trying to do and fill it in, you know. I'm trying to do as many mix gigs as I can get and um uh, keep going. Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, totally.
1: What do you want to talk about this I want uh, episode 38.
0: Yeah, I, let's like keep it I want to make it fun and make it simple and let's talk about everybody's favorite input. Let's go back to the kick drum. Input number action. one. Input number one. You know, we've gone down. We started this thing, and we went here, and we went there, and we went there, and then we talked <laughs> business, and then we've talked COVID, and now we've done this. And I was like, I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, let's just talk about, like, the most basic <laughs> mixing element thing that is so nuanced as well when you, you get know, to that input, input number one. You know what I mean? So I think we can I get think out of this. It's funny, uh,
1: input number one, uh, kick drums, to me – It's weird. Kick drums to me are the most ignored drum by a drummer as far as tuning and how they sound. Like to me, they'll spend hours like tuning toms and snare drum and all that kind of stuff and just ignore Mm -hmm. like uh, what a kick drum should sound like. And when you finally get an amazing sounding kick drum, one that you don't have to put a bunch of crap on and EQ the crap out of and, you know, mm-hmm. decide to use weird microphones and all kinds of stuff. It's like, it's like, thank
0: God. Thank you. I've got right. this
1: amazing sounding kick drum, you know? Um, And really, I got to tell you, probably in my 30 year career, there's been like five. Yeah. In 30 years where I've been like,
0: Almost no EQ, and you almost feel like something's wrong. Yeah, you're not doing when you're not doing much. You're like, well, this can't be right, you know? (laughs) Yeah, because that's funny,
1: right? Do you find yourself? I find myself doing the most extreme EQ on kick drums, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Depending on the drum,
0: yeah. Yeah. But Um, you know, I think we both we get where that comes from. If you're not in a great listening environment. Like, yep. if you're on a riser, elevated on a stage in a concrete cave, when you kick that thing, it sounds like nothing. Yeah. Like, yep. you don't hear tone. You don't hear note. You definitely don't perceive low end. You really have to be in the right place with a kick drum, a bass drum, to really hear what it's doing, you know? So, it is easy to just... And the flip side of that, too, is for engineers, live, live engineers... If we know we have 800 subs in front of us, we can take that nothing kick sound and at least make it experientially just dominant. So it's kind of like everyone's slacking because we know it can at least work out, (laughs) but it might not be the best thing to do, you know?
1: Yeah. That's funny because um, I find. Myself, when I have a really good sounding kick drum, the those are the times where I'm like turning down the sub by like 90 B to, right. you know, to make it sound great, you know, mm-hmm. whereas just like you said, you utilize subs to try to make up for something that's not there or it's, even it's not there. I've I've used um you know like waves low air to try mm-hmm. to manufacture something that isn't there um you know and it's unfortunate I you know I, I shout out to all those drummers out there like focus on the kick drum man get that sounding great mm-hmm. um you know the best sounding kick drum I ever heard was uh Ableboreal Junior had a a kick drum by this company called GMS and it was an unbelievable sounding kick drum I was just like so you stood in front of it and you went that acoustically is what a kick drum is supposed to sound like, you know? Yeah. Um, and like literally no EQ, you put, you know, one microphone on it and it was amazing. Um,
0: so what's your, is your
1: typical go-to yeah. uh, microphone for kick drum, a 91? I mean, that's
0: like what everybody uses. But yeah. I mean, for the, for the live thing, if we've got two mics, it's always a, a 91. Um, these days I like the beta 91A. Um, the one that, you know, it's been through several versions. I, I've carried my own SM-91 a yeah. for years until just like a year or two ago. I finally just gave in and said, okay, fine. We don't have to use it. Uh,
1: That's funny because really? I gave in two, but I know it's not as good for me. I, anyway. I don't it's like not. the beta as as much as the original. 91. The
0: second, the first beta that came out was just like an 800 hertz machine. Like yeah. that thing was wrong in it's every like, way. Why
1: would you want that? It was so yes. wrong.
0: Right. Yeah then they've improved it since they and the totally new, have.
1: The new one is I'm not best. saying it's horrible. I'm not saying it's horrible. No, I'm just saying you're right. it's, like if you're a new engineer and you haven't heard the old school ninety one, the one that has the small, you know, three pin pain in the ass connector. Pain in the ass connector in it with a transformer on the other end of it. Yeah. Um, that particular microphone, the old school ninety one, if you compared that to a to a beta ninety one, you'd be like, Whoa, yeah. yeah, this is a way superior microphone. But yeah um it, i i've gave in too because it's like the design of the new 90 the beta is just easier you know you plug an in xlr into it and it's not horrible it's like it's it's good it is yeah. it's yeah. just that you you look back on the old one and you know you know just like we look back on the on analog consoles
0: and go oh yeah right
1: consoles are yeah too. totally we can so still I'll, get a great result though
0: absolutely yep so I'll do that. I'll do, the, I'll do a Beta 91A is the first one, and then I'll use um, whatever I'm into at the, at the time for the second mic. You know, I know I think you and I both these days are kind of into the V-Kick, yeah. the SC Electronics. That, that tends to be the one, but it's usually paired with one. Now, I'll tell you something about me that's uh, interesting. More times than not, I don't blend. I just pick. When it comes to kick drums, now snare drums, unless it's the most wonderfully tuned snare drum in the world, you know, with like snare top and bottom, I might use two or three mics on it, but if it's really wonderfully done, you don't need that snare bottom, but that's another thing that for some reason gets thrown out the window live is proper snare tuning. But um, with, uh, with, with kick drums though, oftentimes it's like, I don't know why it's, it's like I can get it to work. I can find the blend and then, you know, I'll find that blend and then I'll, I'll bust that blend and then work on that blend more EQ wise. But sometimes I will just convince myself that there's something phase wise I just can't get to lock. And I like, you know what? I know there are no phase anomalies if I just use one. So a lot of times I will default to just one, but yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty generic in the, in the sense of, uh, of what I use. One thing I want to say real quick though, which you mentioned, uh, talk about using low air or something to, to fabricate low end. It's astonishing how many, and this just goes back to your first point. How many kick drums that get used live? If we took those into a studio, it would literally be like, when are you going to quit fucking around? (laughs) That is unusable and it is just this pock, pock. There's no low end coming out of it. None. You know, um, I had to do, uh, uh, it was for a streaming thing. I did recently a mix and the kick drum, I too, couldn't get anything. I mean, I could take every filter in the world and just crank it, crank it, crank it. And I ended up using brainworks, BX, BX subsynth to generate this, you know, to do this thing, thing. you know, I had to make low end. There was literally no low end there. So, um, amazing. And that's so, 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 so often. But I get it. The guys hit it. And if they've got a sub next to them, it goes, Boof, you know, right. or, in, or in the ears, it's passable or out front. We fuck with it till it gets somewhere. But guys, that's not okay. That's not your drum should have low end. Yeah, that's know?
1: not okay. Like, you, you know, the drum to me, a great sounding snare drum sounds great acoustically, right? When mm-hmm. you're in front of it, when the mm-hmm. when the snare drum really cracks when you're standing in front of it, not listening to microphones, just sitting there acoustically, you mm-hmm. know when you put microphones on it, it's going to be mm-hmm. that's going to be a great sounding drum. It's the same thing with kick drums. Like I I don't understand the whole you know, drummer sitting there, you know, kidding it, and I can stand there and, like, literally, I, I'll do one of these. Like, right? really? <laughs> like, yeah. you, you think that sounds cool, huh? Right, right. Um, and, and you know, I mean, we have lots of tools to get impact out of kick drum and to manufacture low end and, you know, all those mm-hmm. kind of things. Um, but, um, man, it's so much better when you don't have to induce, you know. I've had kick drums where I'm, like, literally six to nine db boost of 60 hertz oh easy like 12 db cut of 400 oh easy and 2k boost of like four you know 4 db of 2k and then you know whatever and another some other click you know 4k yeah. or 3k something else you know 40b and that's just extreme eq and the amount of phase that you're inducing Mm -hmm. by using that extreme amount of eq could all be solved by someone having a, a great sounding drum
0: yeah i forgot what i did recently during covid and there was a bunch of different sources and i was like oh don't care plus 12 on the bottom on the bottom that's what we're doing you know because i I mean you know
1: we've we talk about here that it's like you do whatever you have to do right like i don't look at that and go oh no i can't do that i look at that Mm. and go okay does this sound good or not Mm -hmm. but i'm just saying in the big scope of things it's like you know the amount of phase that you're inducing in your mix is retarded by doing that much
0: right um so right what about you do you ever use um do you ever use like sub kicks or any of that kind of stuff? Do you ever... I don't like any of that stuff. However, I will tell
1: you uh, just to take us back a little bit. I am usually not a single input kick drum guy, but mm-hmm. what I am is a single input that is the main focus, like yes, the main thing,
0: which is usually the 91. Like it's not um, a one-to-one of your two mics. No, no,
1: no, no, I'm n- not, definitely not of the two. Me neither. Um, it's definitely a single input that is kind of the focus, which is usually the 91. And then like we talked about the V kick or I like the M82, mm-hmm. um, old school M88. Um, but I take all of those microphones, believe it or not, and low pass them way down and use the mic that is in the hole of the kick drum to be mostly sub information.
0: Mm, um,
1: and sometimes depending on what's happening, I'll take the 91 and high pass it so that there's kind of a crossover point there between mm-hmm. the two microphones um, because I find that um, the having one microphone, especially the microphone that's in the hole of the kick drum, be kind of the focus of the air movement mm-hmm. um, translates better into what's happening in subs Mm-hmm. Um, for me, than a, a boundary microphone that's on the bottom of the kick drum and mm-hmm. capturing, you know, it's a capsule that's pointed like right at the beater, um, mm-hmm. and oftentimes doesn't have the whole resonance of the kick drum. So I find that if I use the microphone that's out, uh, you know, in the hole of the kick drum and it's further away from the beater, um, still pointed at the beater, but capturing all the resonance of the kick drum, right? Um, and low passed down is is a better Better, often is a better sounding sub information for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's generally most of the time, it's like most of the time I do not high pass the 91. I'm still using the information that's down in there with the 91 and mm-hmm. then use the, the mic that's in the hole of the kick drum to supplement yes. just the sub information underneath it to kind of give it more of a round thing. Um, mm-hmm. And And if you muted the 91, the it would sound not good right <laughs> You know what I mean It would sound like just yeah you know Oof. just the the low you know 40 mm-hmm. 50 hertz of of that, not mm-hmm. any of the click, not any of the other stuff, and it would be like significantly lower in volume than what the 91 is. Right and that's typically my kick drum sound. I've had to do weird things, of course, depending on how the drum sounds you know mm-hmm. um, I've done what you described earlier, where you know i I only use the V-Kick or the the M82, the Telefunken mm-hmm. M82, and abandoned the 91 because of the way that the drum sounded. You know, yeah. it just depends. But, but generally, when I'm talking about what is my kick drum go-to starting place is mm-hmm. a, a 91 being the main focus and then the outside microphone being the supplemental low-end sub stuff. Yeah.
0: And, I, and I do that, too. I don't do the... Um or I don't, I don't do that too. I do something similar where it's nine times out of 10. If there's a blend, the 91 is leading, like, is it zero? And yeah. I just close my eyes and I pull up Yeah. on that something I do different with my kicks than I do say my snares, for example. And and it's, it's an easy comparison to keep going between these two because they both are, you know, m- multiple microphones on one source in the way that we're speaking that then Form this one greater sound, blah 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 blah. When I do it with snares, my individual snare inputs are usually they're gated. If they're gated, and they're almost always gated. There's a, on <clears throat> certain occasions the snare top is not gated, <clears throat> but um, I usually don't do much of anything other than corrective subtractive EQ. I might maybe do a few little bumps here or there. On those, but then I do the really heavy lifting once it gets grouped. Ah. In other words, I like make this sound and then I go, okay, that sound, that's what we're gonna work on heavily. Because I know my propensity with kick drums, which is to, which is not is to blend them, but then also at a certain point to turn one off. I kind of can't afford to do that. So I will process them aggressively as individually. You know what I mean? So, like, kick one has all the shit on it. Kick two has all the shit on it. And when they meet in a bus, usually all I'm doing there is some, maybe some uh, peak limiting. Sometimes I'll do that to make it harder and to make it just, you know, louder. Um, and some EQ. But as far as, like, more gentle compression or just compression in general saturation, all that kind of stuff, it occurs on the individual input for me. Um,
1: yeah, I think that's the case for me as well. Uh, always with multiple, I'm just like you always with multiple microphones, they get summed to an, an individual group, usually a mono group. So like kick and snare are going to mono groups, right? So mm -hmm. two microphones on the kick drum end up in a mono kick drum group, two Mm -hmm. mics on the snare drum end up in a, in a mono, um, group Mm -hmm. and the processing uh that's happening on the mono group is not as much as the other stuff which i think is just what you said right the individual channels are are getting most of the stuff now for me though like i'll do gating um generally on the group Ooh, like I don't, interesting
0: yeah. I, and you know what i remember that when we did that thing not too long ago i remember i noticed that see i rarely i don't that's one thing, and i totally get it i've just i've just never done that I get that.
1: I hate, um, even when gates are linked, Mm -hmm. um, to me, there's something about that that doesn't, the attack on it and then the release times, even though they're supposed to be linked, Mm -hmm. um, still never sound right to me. So I feel like one gate over the two inputs has the sound of the gate that I want, which, by the way, we should talk about that because... a a gate on a kick drum Mm -hmm. is
0: an an additional eq is everything yeah let's do that like let's go there now yeah yeah
1: because like you know um the gate with its attack all the way down has this click noise Mm -hmm. that we want i want that sound from a kick drum i want it to have this 2k click sound that mm-hmm. or one cave even that comes from the actual opening of the threshold of the gate mm-hmm. um, without that
0: it's not as cool right yep and it's funny this goes back to every gate ever made <laughs> and they all have their different sound that's right you know what i mean every gate going back to whatever I, mean, I
1: was a big drummer guy those, sure. those were the ones right the way
0: yeah. the drummer opened had its own and it's a it's a pop which I yeah. love that in your mind, even though it's been months, that you went from two to no one, because you're right. It's that it's a pop. And they all sound different. And on most all gates, I will default to fastest attack. Yeah. On a very few, I'll kick them back just a hair. And just I got to be honest touch. with you, in Digico, I have started kicking only on snares. I mean, excuse me, only on kicks. Their default, I believe, is like 0. 0.5 yeah uh and i think that's like microseconds i don't think yeah. five milliseconds i can't remember what it is um and i've started going to the next one which is 0.121 huh i just have i've just and what decided is it, like, what it, does it, it do for you it it has less there's something about the digico soft pop on a errant didn't mean to open one that is oh, just the yeah, most amateur sounding thing in the world i hate it when yeah. i hear it in the pa when i hear that like th- where a, a kick gate almost it did open but not full i, I just think it's the worst I and, totally um, know what
1: you're talking about yeah and
0: and, so, and i hear it on the sound as a whole so i've just started pulling it back just on the, it doesn't bother me on any anywhere else it's only on the kicks but kicks also have to me i think they have the fastest and most pronounced transients That's combined with that pop. And I think that's why it makes me, um, makes me do that now. Okay. Here's another great question. Do you have, do you find yourself more times than not getting similar values on hold and release? Or is it just kind of, if you have to think, then probably not. I I have these like places I'll go, you know, the old school, old school, old school way to do it was just like fast, 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 fast attack, Fast hold, fast release, and it's just this... Because, again, it works in live sound. Sure. But were you... You know, it's
1: it's funny. Like, early on in my career, I was that guy. And maybe it Uh was because of the gates that I had, you know, I, I just want to say that it was funny because all, you you mentioned that all gates have their own kind of tone. And mm-hmm. even within drama back in the day, they had one that was like four gates in a single. Oh, oh that
0: thing, thing was just, oh God, I can't wait to hear you talk about this. Right. Anyway, anyway,
1: the, it had different,
0: it sounded a lot it, different than the, well, the one that had two. I, I disliked it so much. Yeah. the way it sounded that's why i started using bss quad gates yes because uh oh big hug <laughs> because, i know big hug
1: well i would literally you know you would look at the spec of like doing a club gig or whatever yes you would say oh it has drummer gates oh cool i'm good and then i would show up and they would have the four banger one and i'd uh-huh. be like
0: argh, because argh. the fast was too over the top poppy If I recall correctly, right? Yes. The the fast was just way too much. It sounded like an input was. It sounded like a phantom-powered input was being unplugged. (laughs) And then the the slow was too slow, so that that led me to go. I actually purchased a bunch of BSSs because I was like, "Man, drama, come on!" You know, that's funny to hear you say that.
1: The reason that I'm saying that is now in, you know, digital technology, of course, every digital console kind of has their own sounding gate. And I will actually sometimes I'm I am a big proponent of using onboard gating. Right. So any input that needs a gate, I'm not looking for a plug in to do that. Mm-hmm. usually but i will tell you that there are some kick drums that for whatever reason the digico gate just didn't sound right yeah and i've actually gone to a you know a plugin like uh you know like waves makes a bss version you know mm-hmm. um and some other ones that uh, have that gate sound that I want. It's not just about gating and you know making it it uh, be a gated thing. It's about the opening of that gate. I want this particular sound that I'm looking for. So mm-hmm. if you haven't experimented with that, I tell you, you know, don't just assume that the gate on your console is the best choice. Like right. definitely have it in your toolbox that there are some other ones and mm-hmm. why they sound different and how they sound different, so you can have that in in your mm-hmm. your toolbox
0: um you know but, something else uh while we're talking about this I uh, you know what's something that's important for me the way that i go about gating and again particularly on the kick drum is of course we want that threshold as low as we can get it for a number of reasons so that the lightest hit can go and also because the lower we're getting with that threshold the more we're ensuring we're getting real true transient passing through right and um I will do part of my AB with the gate as a whole, uh, before we even get into hold and release and what happens after this attack, is what, is it, what does it sound like with the gate off? What is the attack of the drum? Because ultimately, there's plenty of drums out there. There's not that much snare in there. I just can't use it ungated. It'll feed back. Right. It, you know what I mean? And that's what we're so if anyone's listening to this and maybe you're not a live sound guy and you ended up in this weird place with us, um, it's <laughs> not just that. To- welcome. You know, to- <laughs> welcome. <laughs> hire us at your gas station. Yeah. The right. um, the uh, you know, we have to use these things because, again, it's because like it'll feed my, my kick drum and in, in an arena or a stadium or even a club or whatever, is going to feed back more times than not if, if I don't get it.
1: Yeah, um, and mainly it's because we are adding all of that kind of low sub information to And it's on a resonance
0: impact. Yep. Yep. And it's, who right. knows what's happening on that stage and around it and everywhere else. So that's why we're doing this. But part of my AB process is what is the natural attack of that kick drum sound like when the gate is not engaged. And my goal is when popping it in is to as best as possible, make it to where there's not very much tonal difference. Or if there is one, it's like what you're talking about. It's like, it adds that particularly if it's a certain style of music, it, it actually adds a little more excitement to it. Yeah. You know,
1: I used to be, um, you know, we were talking earlier about hold and release. Um, and I used to be that guy that was like tur- you know, real short hold times, real short release times where like if you soloed the kick drum up, it would be a tuck, you know, pretty right. much. Like not mm-hmm. um not a whole tone. And I utilized it within the whole mix of everything. So like you know, snare drum would have a, a little bit, uh, gating would be loose and you'd hear a little bit of the kick drum in it and the overheads would have some kick drum in it. So soloing up the kick drum would be like really, you know, quick thack, but in the mm-hmm. scope of the everything, mm-hmm. um, you, you didn't notice that it was that. That's how I used to do it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm way more that guy with longer hold times and release times now. Um, basically, Uh, depending, it's not like I change it per song, but Mm -hmm. whatever the song is that has the tempo that's kind of the fastest, Mm -hmm. I'm adjusting hold and release times to right up to where the snare drum is. Do you know what I mean? So like the kick drum has this boom boom, section and then there's snare drum, boom, pack. Mm -hmm. And I want the gate to close right before the snare drum. Yes, um, and so I'll spend a bunch of time like messing with that kick drum gate to find that. and then, um, as we get into rehearsals or whatever, and there all of a sudden there's this really fast song. I'll start to notice that there's now there's some kick drum in, or sorry, there's some snare drum in the kick drum microphone and I'll tighten up those release times just a little bit to try to eliminate Mm -hmm. that. Um, That's, that's kind of my thought process. What's yours on Mm -hmm. hold and release
0: for, for sure. I I guess I think of it two different ways. I'm thinking of it, what you mentioned, how much snares coming through there. Um, And it's always going to be the snare, you know, that's the, that's the loud thing that's going to be coming through there. So I definitely want to miss it or, If, if, or if I'm not going to miss it because everything's super fast tempo, like I kind of get to a point where I embrace it, but I want to embrace it consistently.
1: Me too. Me too. I mean, there's, there's a point where the song is so fast that you're like, you can't, you know, you lose the whole tone of the kick drum by trying to, you know, get the hold and release up Mm -hmm. to where the snare drum is. Mm -hmm. But generally that's, that's what I'm saying. I do.
0: Something that I noticed a long time ago that I'm always aware of is I did because I too at first was like, and this was just from like glancing at other people's whatever intelligates and going, everything set on fast. I guess I'm supposed to do that, you know. And uh and and, those uh,
1: Apex, there was the Apex. Uh, oh, the 612s. That, like, every and the club had those were the 612s worst, 612s worst gates on the planet. 612s anyway.
0: and the six twenty twos. Those were their like pro models, um, which I did, which I did like only the fact that it had expansion options on it oh uh, yeah you know because yeah. drummer didn't drummer was just on That's or off true. but um but one yeah. thing i noticed this was more later in like so this is probably 15 years ago when we we're starting to get into dig- digital desk and also because at that point in time we have like very accurate statistical readouts as far as what the times are but i noticed if i'd open up a drum if i'd open up a kick drum and let it like let's just say either it was the resultant time between the hold and the release or the hold was like next to nothing and i was really just working off the release that's a whole other conversation how to work hold and release but somewhere around 300 milliseconds i felt like i'd always get more low end and there might be some in my mind the the logic because i have found it time and time and time again The logic to it, the science to it has something to do with the length uh, of the wavelength of this, these low frequency sources that, you know, that we are literally chopping off part of the wave when we're chopping them too short. You're not getting, that's part of the reason you're not getting all the low end. You haven't allowed the the wave to develop fully. So anyway, it's something of mine where it's shocking how many times, you know, I'll close my eyes and hold it and be like okay not only is the snare in an okay place but i swear i just got more low end and it's somewhere around that 300 i also have this thing with 300 where you know how if you get a kick that has a lot of times it's it almost has like a rebound sound to it it's like a lot of times i will lengthen my compression hold Uh, a release rather longer than I usually would on a drum input because I'm trying to suppress that. So I'm trying to make a transient pass and then that rebound wave, I want to keep it down. So anyway,
1: it doesn't release quickly. It goes compression and then.
0: Yep. So any other bullshit that's hanging out in there or resonance from a sub or something kind of hangs out before yes. it can, can come up. But that's kind of where I go with gating as on the on the on the kicks rather. I kind of try to give it as much as I can. Yeah. And also as much as we talk about nowadays that like whether it's a broadcast mix or just a board mix or something or something some somethin', those little quick pips they don't Those don't sound good when played back in real life. You know, it's true. It's true. Um,
1: Um, You know, you got into compression a little bit, and you know, we should say that, you know, I use compression on kick drums for the most part. Um, It really depends. I, if there is a drummer that's very dynamic, where he goes from being really digging into stuff to barely hitting the kick drum. I kind of fix that because it really doesn't work in live sound. Like no. I'll use a compressor to try to rein that dude in. I don't mm. want to get rid of his dynamics, his or hers dynamics. I want I want dynamics, but I, but the extreme dynamics don't translate very well in a kick drum. In the, in no, the they
0: system. literally push, yes. they push the whole audience and pull. And yes. it's, a, it, 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 it's like a, something's wrong. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. So Mm -hmm. um, compression is, is also a big tool for me in regards to kick drum. But the settings on a compressor are exactly opposite in regards to attack. Um, than what a gate is i want on the attack of a gate i want that click i want it to you know to open up as quickly as possible whereas Mm. the attack of a compressor i want i don't want to clip the transient i want the transient to come through and then compression to happen so for me attack is not all the way up on the compressor part of it, it's Mm -hmm. like, even that like 50%, like I want transient and then some compression to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, just so you guys know, those are kind of opposite settings when you're talking about attack on gating versus compression,
0: right? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And that's a tough one too. Like what you're talking about, if you've got a guy or gal who's dynamic with their foot, man, that is a pain in the ass because there's like tough. It's tough. Well, there's dynamic with purpose. And then there's just, you're emoting through that instrument. Like, don't show us all how excited you just got because (laughs) musically you just took the whole piece and started like shoving it up against the wall, you know? And, and I'm with you. I want, like, I want to use, if I'm going to use compression on a kick drum or, or any element, I would hope, you know, you're either using it creatively or you're using it constructively. You're
1: um, using it to, yeah, to like fix something or you're using it, it artistically. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, the yeah,
0: artistic yeah. way is to really let it go. But then right, when you're talking about in that situation, you're like, well, I want to let the transient go, but not too much because the guy's out of control. Right. So you end up with this. I've started doing more. I For the longest time, I didn't do anything. Sorry. Uh, kick drums are just like saturation. And that was usually like it. that was all that was all I'd really do. Um, and now I've gotten to this thing, like my new sort of my new chain is this: is I go I'll do something saturation y if I have it if I have it available to me or or if I think I need it. If it's a great drum, I don't need shit, but if I think it's going to help, um, I'll do something on the saturation end, and we we can talk about what that is, but since we're on the talking
1: front about- end of the of the kick drum, so like the way 91- I
0: one. Th- yeah. The way I think of it is this is like that. I think of it as it, it's like a recording path. Yeah. So the first that, so the place that where that I'm going to saturate first is going to be at the very, 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 very beginning. And it's as if it went through some path of a console or a, a tape machine or a series of whatever, transformers, whatever. So that usually goes first. So
1: do you use the tube uh, setting on Digico? Do you use that to saturate? I- I
0: only, somebody who's asked me that recently. I've only recently got, when they first came up with it, I was like, fuck this thing. And then, (laughs) and then, and I think it's because I always had access to like kind of cool other things. But then last year I was doing some gigs where it was, I don't even remember anymore. I think it was last year where I was doing some (laughs) gigs where, Yeah. yeah, where I was like picking up picking up just whatever. And I didn't have any choice and I did. And I, so I started embracing more of the Digico stuff. And I know that I like, I think it's like 13 and seven on the drive and the, so there's somewhere in there. So, but no, I'll use like, for instance, like on waves, I'll use, if it's, if it's hardware, I'll go to my, my stock stuff, which is all of that, um, overstayer stuff. Uh, and on kick, it's usually like a parallel version. It's not full on Just it's Like I kind of roll it back a little, um, but uh, I'll use, in ways, I'll do this. I'll go to the J37 Yeah, if I have it. But now here's an interesting thing on that J37. There is the finest of fine lines between, I just added cool girth usable low end and yeah. just pff, pillow distortion. And it's like, it's the finest of fine lines. So I'll usually do that. I'll put like that J37 first. Uh, and then, And then I'll gate it um or, or wherever it comes in but let's just say the chain is for, forget where the gate is for a second the, 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 the distortion because I'm just dis- I'm establishing what the L, what the sound is then when I get into compression I've started using I've started going back to um like DbX 160 like the vus the old school ones and I do that and it's purely for tonal reasons I do it because it makes you talked about like a 2k, gain you can get from a gate those older compressors like that just have that knock and if you can make the needle just move a little it does your grinning you know what i'm talking about it does that thing like in the upper mids where it just kind of it gets harder it may actually suck out a little low end to be honest with you they do and um so I'll do that and that lets a little transient pass. And then I'll like take it into, and then now here I've gone from the guy that didn't do any compression on my kick drum to then I'll take it into if it goes into some sort of like SSL type channel, whether it's waves or brainworks or UA or, or whatever. And I will incorporate on there, their slow attack. Which is slow as shit. It's 30 milliseconds. Yeah. You man. know, it's like a, it's like a bus compressor. Yeah. So then I'm doing it again. Once in a blue moon, though, I will find that if it is a guy that's like really erratic, I will use their fast attack there. And I'm using that compressor more as an endpoint limiter of sorts. I totally get it. Totally then get I'll it. do some EQ. And then that's what I was saying earlier. And then sometimes on the group, I will even even incorporate some like L two type modern super fast ass like nope, don't go anywhere. And that's yeah, a whole sound unto I'm itself. We're
1: gonna clip the tops off and just keep you in check, right? Um, yeah, Sorry, it's, it's a funny, long you know,
0: winded answer.
1: No, 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 no. It's fine. I, I, I have a theory behind why we do that, and the theory is that. Um, with old school analog consoles, they're usually view meters, not peak meters. And we didn't ever have true um, uh, a visual representation of what peak was when we right. were younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what that meant was is that a lot of times we would take analog mic pres and turn them up to where a vu meter kind of looks right, like at minus you know ten or whatever, minus twenty yeah. for a transient thing, um, and just making sure that the red light, the red clip light, is yeah. you know turning on. Um, and really, what that was doing was inserting a bunch of harmonic distortion mm-hmm. because the actual peak of what that transient was was like totally Hard blowing writer. up the mic pre. We right. just didn't know it. We didn't have the tools, and so. Mm the sound of a kick drum or a snare drum has a fair, what we think is a great sounding kick drum and a snare drum has a real fair amount of harmonic distortion in it. Mm-hmm. And um, the front end of most of these consoles these days, these uh, digital consoles are don't have any of that. So mm-hmm. you and I are trying to manufacture that sound that you know yep. the typical sound and this was true of records too it's not just about live sound you know back then when they were making records on a uh, a neve 8078 for instance you know it was all vu meter and there wasn't really a peak light and that was the tone of that mic pre was this insertion of harmonic distortion. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we choose some things to try to manufacture that, um, and I find um, for me, there's a bunch of different ways. You know, J37 is one way. The tube uh, on a Digico thing is not as cool on a transient thing. Like, I like the tube thing on guitars mm-hmm. um, and some other stuff. Uh, but uh, as far as transient goes, the tube thing in the in Digico is not my generally not my go to. But J37 or Safira um by waves is a is a newer kind of distortion harmonic distortion plug-in uh or the Shep's omni channel has uh, uh that's a good one has great <clears throat> harmonic distortion in the mic pre side of it uh, mm-hmm. that you can decide whether it's odd or even harmonics and how much of it um mm-hmm. so uh it's just interesting that we've kind of come full circle. It's like, you know, there are, it's more than just the microphone choice on a kick drum, right? We, we both like the 91, but we are using other tools to get the sound of a kick drum, even when that kick drum sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. Like even when Abe Laborios Jr's kick drum sounded amazing, I was still putting some harmonic distortion in the front part of it to get that tone. I wasn't doing as much EQ, but I was still using a gate to get that click of the opening. Um, and still using a little bit of compression to you know knock the very top of it off so that it was you know more dynamic mm-hmm. range of it was more kind of in check. Um, so those are all tools to get that ultimate kick drum sound. You know, um, mm-hmm. I find that a digital. So like if you have uh, an M thirty two or uh, you know whatever some uh, lower end desk. Mm-hmm and you're trying to get that ultimate kick drum sound, I think those are the things that you need to think about because the, a digital desk that doesn't have any harmonic distortion and some pretty bad digital EQ, mm-hmm. the reason you're not getting that ultimate kick
0: drum sound is because of all those reasons we just talked about, right? E- exactly. And if I'm in that situation and or I just don't have all the tools, I just accept I'm not going to get there. I'm kind yeah, of. Yeah,
1: I, I do too, but I'm just know? saying... You, you can u- use your, utilize the knowledge that you now have, that those are the reasons that a kick drum oh, sounds right. great. Right. Totally. and And if you only have lesser tools, then still have the knowledge that that's how I get there. So how, what can I do? Right. Whatever that is. You like, you know, be like, okay, well, if I can figure out a way to get a plug-in on this channel, I know I'm going to improve it. Um, you know, it, it is, um, a transient information going through lower end desks that don't have harmonic distortion and bad EQ choices are the reason that those transient things don't sound that great. Mm-hmm. I just want, I want to point that out, that they're, the reason that a kick drum, the reason that my kick drum sounds the way that it is, is not because I just plugged a 91 into a Digico and turned oh, no. it up.
0: No, that can be equally as blame,
1: really. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. There is a lot more thought process into mm-hmm. a stupid kick drum.
0: <laughs> right. Oh, well, it's funny. You think about everything we just said, like there is the discussion of if I've got a guy that's all over the place yeah. and then we're like, yeah, that's a thing. Then we like literally numerically have to rein him in. Yet every other thing we have mentioned is, well, I use this thing, but I use it because it does this thing. You yes. know what I mean? Like I use this compressor to make the mid range pop. And then I do this here to do that. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, you're right. It's like, have that. It's just that knowledge base in your head of what these tools do and why, and why I'm using them, why I reach for it when I reach for it. You know what I mean? And then the
1: other thing that I think we should talk about as we we're coming down to the end here. We got like 10 more minutes or so, but, um, Mm -hmm. the, uh, Symphony for kick drum problem yeah <laughs> where everybody um mixes yeah. input number one like you know as if it were a vocal mm-hmm. um i i I can't pound it into people's heads enough that standing in front of a drum kit, the loudest drum is always the snare drum, mm-hmm. I don't care what drummer it is. It doesn't matter the loudest drum is always the snare drum and the Mm -hmm. kick drum is never the loudest thing never yet when we break it out into individually mic things most sound guys turn that around backwards where kick drum is super loud and snare drum is less volume than the kick drum and i think the reason is is that the kick drum has the sub impact and that's when people want emotion in their mix Mm -hmm. they're looking for impact and therefore they're like okay the way that i can do that is by turning up the kick drum but -hmm. then it makes the whole drum kit be out of um relationship of itself Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and and then it doesn't sound like a, a drum kit anymore and that thing that kick drum is so loud in your mix compared to all the other things all of a sudden your mix is you know yes it has a little bit of that moving air impact but it doesn't sound like a mix anymore Mm -hmm. um so i I just want to point that out maybe you have something to say about that i it's like the number one thing when i when i walk into somebody who asks me about their mix almost every time i go turn down the kick drum
0: yeah. And what sucks about this is, and and I'm as a, it, it's such, it is like the punchline, the cliche, like, Oh, you mix live sound, right? Huh? Oh, you must kick <laughs> like, wait. So, so much so that it's like a thing. And I, yeah. and I like have my own little chip on my shoulder about it to where I've had to get over that over the years and be like, no, but I want that devastating kick drum sound, but I'm so aware of not being, you know, your thing, the whole symphony of kick drum of not being that. Well, I'll say this. I did a thing the other day for SSL. And I think the question like never actually came to me or something, but it was one of the questions was it was worded awkwardly, but it was basically like, what was like the moment? I think they were supposed to be saying in live sound, what was the moment that you like really had that? Like, Oh my God, this is incredible. I love it feeling in live sound. And I would challenge Anyone to tell me that story, and it not be the first time they pushed up a kick drum on a system that could reproduce stuff, or just even—I think about this alleyway next to Main Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, (laughs) when I had some like real, and they were homemade subs, and I had a D one twelve, and I could—I mean, it was a life-changing event. Sure, you know, and that's what separates—we've talked about that. What separates live sound so much is all is the physical. So it is such an addictive. Uh, it is such a, a wonderfully powerful, you know, experience that I see why guys get hooked on it. And it's also cheap. It's a cheap trick.
1: It's, it's a cheap trick.
0: It, it is. is. It might not even sound good, but if you've got enough 80, 60, 50, 40 moving, you know, you're kind of pounding your chest. You're like, you okay.
1: Know? Yeah. I mean, check out my mix. Um, right. but I will tell you that, um, if you can get more nuanced about it and make the low end part of your bass guitar be kind of the main focus of all of those frequencies with the kick drum, just giving it a little bit push Mm -hmm. in there. If you can get that part, right? Like I am, Later on in my years, I, I've gotten very good at that, like having this bass, right? Yep. Of uh, not bass guitar, this, this BASE uh, yep. in my mix of those frequencies from, you know, whatever 30 to 100, let's say that are super impactful and are. Are kind of just there the whole time. They they shift from being the kick drum to the bass guitar to some mm-hmm. other things that peak down into it. You know some mm-hmm. other guitars and and keyboards and you know that kind of shit. But there's this this connection that if you get the kick drum and the bass guitar correct, my bass guitar ends up being louder in those frequencies than kick drum does pretty mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. like the kick's still there i'm not saying that it's not and i'm and i'm saying that it has impact if you're standing in front of my floor subs there's definitely impact <laughs> yeah. movement of kick drum but there's also this bass guitar that's kind of layered almost on top of it, like it's Mm -hmm. sitting there. And so those 18s or whatever, 21s that are in your subs, depending on what you're using, are kind of just tickling there the whole time. They're not just going cock. right from kick drum for me they're like hey we're making information like all the time Mm -hmm. um with just a little bit of this you know from Mm -hmm. kick drum and if you get that right it is so much better than the you know typical symphony for kick drum yeah where you're trying to do something cheap it's harder to do the other thing
0: it is and it's also just not musical when the kick drum just when you're just getting like bludgeoned every yeah. it's like it's not a what you mentioned is way more musical yeah um but that being said oh my god i know all of us man how much fun is it going to be to get out there and pull up a kick drum <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean I it's like oh boy can i not wait <laughs> can i can i not, we're, can we're not wait have for that six
1: months of symphony for kick drum when we absolutely all can go back to work for sure absolutely um, but yeah um cool um uh, Anything else you want to talk about Pathwise, Let's see. So we've talked about most of the time it's two channels going into, for me, a mono group that mono group often has additional processing on it just a little bit. It's not where I'm doing some major EQ, but I am also, um, once i set a kick drum if there needs to be changes from song to song i go to the group i don't go to the individual channels um and then also if there's a day where i feel like the kick drum isn't as cool that day or something's weird is happening in the kick drum i almost always leave the channels alone and head for the 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 group to mm-hmm. try to, you know, maybe that day it didn't feel like it had enough click or whatever. Yep. Um, that's that's kind of my path. Um, and then, you know, we've talked about this, and this could be a whole other three-hour conversation about what happens after that. Yes. Because there's actually parallel drum compression that right. makes the actual, it's not just that group then going no. to the master bus, Mm -hmm. it's that group going to parallel drum compression that also makes the tone of the kick drum matter yes as well um so yeah i mean it's it's a it's a series of events that lead to the kick drum sounding good um here's a question that i get a lot that maybe you can answer when you are starting and getting your drum tones are you utilizing parallel drum compression right off the bat
0: yeah yeah, god damn it i hate this question because it it depends depends. is the answer i know i can also tell you that i go to this it just depends like i will i know where i'm going to end up literally to the numeric value of the if I just have one parallel bus I can tell you you guys usually it's somewhere at like negative I was thinking it's funny you mentioned this I was thinking last night it's usually around negative 5.9 it's so funny I mean I'm it's such so a funny dwarf.
1: that I you can, know all these numbers like I don't like literally don't look and know numbers yeah
0: generally I, it's just part of my it's weirdest. part of your thing I mean it's, part it's, of my it's, thing. It's, it's what makes us a little bit different
1: than each other mm-hmm. I literally I could not tell you like where there my normal is. setting is on my SSL. I just know. I just but know. But I
0: guarantee like. you with all my heart that you end up at the same place every I, time.
1: I'm sure. But I'm you just do. saying it's just yeah. funny. I don't know the actual number. So but that's I, cool that you do because people I, can go, oh, okay, minus
0: five. I'm going to try it. You try, um, but now that's my, that's, that's a game matched version, everybody. To remember I know that. That's yeah. game match to a T. That's not just whatever. So I will start. It's a lot of times I'll I don't start with it. It depends on how much time I have. Okay, that's my answer. If I have to get results no, okay. right away, we have to go like it's like now. Now, yes, that bus is engaged. It's where it's going to be. The relationship is set, and I'm just like boom done. If I've got time, my whole thing is I've got this thing where I want to get as much as I can out of my uh, out of my dry bus. I want to yes. use this little parallel, you know. So it's this ego thing, and then. In the end it always ends up in the same spot so it depends on That's how much time hilarious
1: I, I do exactly the same thing like if i have no time if this is going to be a smile and dial then mm-hmm. i am mixing into a full-on parallel 100%. drum bus i yep. mean it is from the beginning i bring up a kick drum and it is squashing hard in that yep. crush bus right yep. but if i have the time if i'm doing rehearsals the parallel compression for me is off And Uh I utilize parallel compression as if it were a mastering tool or a finalizer. So in other words, I get the kick drum or I, I get the entire drum kit to sound great. And then I say, let's put some parallel compression on it and see if it helps.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that's re- and, and it always does by the way. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but, um, uh, but that's my, my go-to philosophy and and guys have different opinions about that. Like there's a lot of guys mm-hmm. that mix into it. And I, like mm-hmm. I said, I do when I'm, you know, throwing and going. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I've got the time, I don't. So I was curious to, to know that. you. Well, know thing.
0: And, and I'll tell you this too, and maybe I'll hold off. Maybe we'll do, have we, I'm sure we've done something on parallel compression. Maybe we do another one. Yeah, but, yeah um, no, we have. Uh, I will tell you this, if I have, if there's no parallel bus and my kick and the snare are like, you know, a good solid, basically they're even both sonically. And if you look at the meters, they're both just like, it's just crack, 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 crack. I know that when I add the parallel bus in, to me, the kick comes way more forward and the attack on the kick comes way more forward. Even if I'm that parallel bus, I'm using some sort of side chain uh, high pass to allow the low end to pass. So a lot of times, once the parallel starts coming in, I will adjust the individual input down. I just noticed that as a pattern. And that's actually what led me to move into the multiple, uh, uh, parallel paths is I was like, I I don't like my kick drum. I don't, my kick drum comes too far forward, but I love where the snare goes in this bus. Screw it. I'll just make another one, you know? Yeah. cool. Cool. Whole other discussion, whole other discussion.
1: Um, I also want to be clear, you guys, you know, some of you like follow us to a T and do exactly what I tell you to do. But I want to be clear about this. When I say I'm not using parallel compression, I am still sending all of my drums to two stereo buses so that my gain structure is still right. It's not me sending all my drums to a stereo bus and then in the end going, oh, now I'm going to add another bus. Do you know what i mean it's like both i'm utilizing two stereo buses that have no compression on them Mm. until the end when i'm then adding both compressors into those two stereo buses Mm. i just want to make sure that you know that so that your gain structure ends up being right if you were sending drums to only a stereo bus not two stereo buses then as soon as you brought in another second bus everything would jump doubly pretty much, Mm -hmm. you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So um, it's just, you know, two stereo buses, no, no compression when I first start, then as a finalizing mastering tool, we insert the compressors on both of those buses. So Mm
0: -hmm. does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yep. Sure does.
1: All right. Well, I think we've come to the end of kick drum. Good Good kick drums, what a nice
0: topic! Yes, input number
1: one. Maybe we'll do input number three.
0: Let's go. Let's, yeah, let's do it. Let's (laughs) do simple stuff, fun stuff. This is what people want to think about.
1: Well, I know, but I mean, um, you know, there's a lot to be said. You know, kick drum isn't just a turn it up and send it to your master bus, um, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it can be if that's all the only tool that you have and and whatever, you know, I've I've done it all the time when I only had a, you know, a a lesser analog console. Um, but in order to get that nuanced killer tone that everyone wants, you know, these are kind of the steps that we you and I have had to take to to get there, right?
0: Yep. Yep,
1: 100%. so cool. All right, well, thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, you know, we got more stuff coming. We were thinking about doing uh, maybe a live stream uh, where you guys could ask us some questions live and we could respond to that live. Uh, so we're, we're thinking about doing that. If you're interested in that, comment below, like this comment and uh, let us know if that's the, the direction you'd like to go. And um, thanks for being patient and waiting a couple of weeks weeks this one and we'll we'll try to do one next week um it just depends on you know how work's going and if we've got time and we'll try to do them every week if we can um so thanks for tuning in and we sure do appreciate you see you soon
0: see everybody